In this episode of Agile After Dark, we get to part one of a special episode of Inside Apollo 13 Studio, the Agile Roundtable, where we get to ask our esteemed guests some very specific questions based on their experience involving around leadership, faux agile, and the agile industrial complex. Listen in, it's a good one. Good evening. Welcome to Agile After Dark, the podcast that addresses agile topics not talked about in the light of day. I'm your host, Brandon Gartley, sitting here and sitting on a plane somewhere on its way to the heartland is my co-host, Greg Adams Woodford. So in addition to me flying solo as a host today, we're trying something a little different. Uh, we've uh, gone mobile with the Agile After Dark Apollo 13 Studios, and we're doing another special episode uh, because the one special episode we did was uh, so such a hit, we got uh, requests to, to try and do some more. So what makes this so special is this evening we have an Agile Roundtable with two distinguished guests, Shyla Reddy and Steve Thomas. Nitin Dahamaja was supposed to be uh, joining us as well, uh, but we'll get him on a show in, in short order uh, when he's not uh, having travel difficulties uh, getting our way. Uh, we also want to welcome our Agile After Dark studio audience, who I know will be sitting on pins and needles to ask questions to our esteemed guests later on in the show. All intros aside, let's get started with this very special episode. So we kind of have two voyages that are converging in our studio tonight. I'd like to start with Shyla Reddy, who amongst her many achievements... Uh, was part of our show titled Transformation, More Than Meets the Eye. Uh, that was before we had the Apollo 13 studio set up. So uh, we have her ready, uh, no pun intended, uh, with uh, this, this uh, mobile studio because uh, she is allergic to the Agile After Dark uh, cats. So hopefully this will be a little less itchy and scratchy for her personally. And uh, with a mobile studio, we might have a, a few little bits of interference, so hopefully it's not too uh, scratchy on the listener's end. Welcome, Shyla. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Our other distinguished guest is Steve Thomas. Steve has been nice enough to come back to Agile After Dark after joining us on our episode about DevOps, which, by the way, I get feedback all the time about it being so helpful as a way to break down kind of all the, the pieces of that. And he is also a regular contributor on our additional shows that have been, I have to say, completely serious at all times. Welcome back, Steve. Yeah, they've been really serious. Okay. <laughs> I Thanks. think minutes and minutes of laughter that we've had to edit out, and it's still minutes and minutes of laughter uh, as we try to keep ourselves together. Distinguished guest makes me sound really gray, and I'm wondering, <laughs> well, I am, so yeah. you know, let's get over it. <laughs> It's, it's a good thing, Steve. It's a good thing. Let me get a drink Okay, so we'll start with you, Shyla. Shyla has a BE in mechanical engineering from Kakataya University. Am I saying that right? <laughs> How do you say that? Um, Kakataya. Kakataya University. And she also has a master's of science in industrial engineering from the New Jersey Institute of Technology, as well as a slew of certifications going from PMP to SPC. So I kind of want to start with you, Shyla, in terms of kind of getting into it. Uh, my first question to you is, what has been the biggest change you've seen in delivering software since your university days? The biggest change. Um, so I was really lucky. I joined in the dot-com era. Um, that was my first job in New York City. Um, New it was York a great time. City. It was a great time. <laughs> um, I was doing my master's and pursuing a full-time job. 
Uh, and I'll say the biggest change from then to now, we were working on a coffee exchange, trade exchange site back then in the dot-com era. And, you know, now as I look at software development, I think the, the focus on humans um, mm. from, you know, when it was the dot-com era, you know, I'm a Y2K graduate, so you guys know. You survived the scare. I did. Um, <laughs> and it was all about the machines then. And you can see with my degrees, it was all about the machines. Um, but it's been a great ride since, um, and, you know, keeping in touch with humanity and bringing the human touch back into what we do, um, I think has been the biggest change. And that's really what, um, keeps me, uh, moving in this particular job. So interesting. I kind of, the translation of the machines mm -hmm. and all being about the machines and about the people yeah so my master's was in Toyota production systems which is you know um all about lean manufacturing and you know how you apply process and all of this good stuff uh, and here my partner uh, is the <laughs> six sigma guy and the cmmi guy so she's um, not talking about me by the way yeah yeah <laughs> talking about steve but you know, um, process is process. Processes will evolve. Mm -hmm. um, it's really paying attention to the humans around you to make sure that you're able to evolve the process successfully. I think it, it takes that, that eye and it takes that touch. If Greg was here, he'd be like, so many P words. <laughs> so many P words. I, I don't know if I can handle it. All right, so uh, move Is it to people or process. People or? and process. P P P. Yeah. yeah. So so much the people side, I think, is actually a good P word. All right, and so we have Steve, as Greg likes to say, look at the big brain on this guy. Thomas has an undergraduate degree in applied mathematics from Carnegie Mellon, and a master's in computer science from the Ohio State University. That's a shout out, Steve. You're gonna have to give me props for that. Steve, too, has a variety of certifications and has worked in everything from robotics to telecom to software delivery and DevOps. Steve, I'd like to ask you, given your varied background in types of systems, what are some of the common threads you see in delivering stuff, quote unquote stuff, using Agile? So delivering stuff. Is it the common themes? Yeah, yeah, like from robotics to telecom to the software that you're... <clears throat> You know, you're seeing now but the mainframes infrastructure like you've kind of seen it right. all so i'm kind of curious about some of those common themes that you've kind of seen throughout the throughout the process all okay. right another That's, p word yeah process yeah another <laughs> um yeah so it's interesting the the good one the good systems of course i mean we've all seen all of the the statistics or whatever but the number of projects or software projects or efforts that uh, fail to deliver on their you know ex uh, expected or planned results um, and I have seen, sadly, more, you know, plenty of my share of that um, over the years. Um, the, what works well is what we found in Agile, you know, which is, okay, the primary measure of progress is working product, working. Mm -hmm. So whether it's hardware or robotics or whatever. Working stuff. Yeah, working right. stuff, demonstrating it on a regular basis to the people who care about it, you know, to the people who consume it is and getting that fast feedback that has been um of course there are no silver bullets but that's been pretty close to 
you know, the discipline, you know, because it is a discipline that has made the biggest difference in projects, you know, in, in software efforts, uh, not just software, but hardware in telecom and in robotics, you know, efforts that yield results, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's the common thing that I'm seeing. Yeah. And there's a lot of things, obviously, as we've <clears throat> talked about in previous podcasts and like in conversations with the two of you and others is... From getting that fast feedback, there's various ways and tools and processes, if you mm-hmm. will, in order to get us there, mm-hmm. right? But the overall concept of getting things out more quickly because market changes, right? Right? right. You got competitors, right? Um, and so I kind of open it up to something to, we were talking about today yeah. was the, the notion uh, with one of the the people we were interviewing was with leveraging lean startup. You know, so the notion of it's not just about getting the the product or the software out there but it's also how do you learn as an organization so mm. what is the key learning so you can experiment and adapt and show that to your the consumers who are consuming that um, on a regular basis and learn something from it even if you're not putting it in production right right and sorry i give a little cheers to my microphone there unfortunately in the middle of steve's conversation <laughs> so uh there's another aspect of the the growth mindset right so Mm. it's developing a learning organization but it's also about the growth mindset that the individuals in the organization have to start to develop right Mm -hmm. it's about personal growth it's about leadership growth it's about the ability to have the humility to actually learn from failure right and Mm -hmm. talk about failure as an organization not in a negative connotation, but a way to learn. Right. All of these contribute to that growth mindset. Um, and that's really what, you know, the essence of the work that we're doing in mm-hmm. this next generation of coaching. Um, that's really what we're helping the organizations with. How do you develop that learning mindset as, as Steve was talking about? Yeah, that's the, you bring up a great point because, you know, I you know, talked about your guys' background, but my background was in like education policy uh, policy and pedagogy, right? In terms of the different ways that people learn, Mm -hmm. right? And for me, it's always been kind of an interesting evolution of how we've approached looking at, as you said, Shaila, kind of we have this technology in these systems and like that's the thing that we're concentrating on rather than how do we look at the people that are involved and, and get them, you know, to understand how they work as a system, as people, yes. right? And working within those those systems. Right, right. Both how they learn individually, you know, their mm-hmm. individual learnings. And then organizationally, what does it take for the organization to become a learning organization? And one that um, encourages the individuals in the organization to be learning and in, uh, inspecting, adapting, pivoting in what they do. Yeah, and it's that uh, continual improvement, right, as a group, but also as an individual. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, well, uh, we're going to transition to a quick break and get into some of the hard questions. Yeah, I threw out some softballs there early after uh, some intros, but uh, please uh, send your feedback to feedback at agileafterdark.com and uh, also go to agileafterdark.com to see previous episodes that both Shyla and Steve have been in. Teaser. Yeah, 
so we kind of moved the studio down because we have some allergies to our. Oh my god. <laughs> No, 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 it's Sass's you know, fault. It is a little Sass's fault. But a lot Which, of us, like, it is Sass's fault. She does tear the studio fine. down quite a bit. Like, I mean, that's kind of her thing. You're saying, staff. Yeah. For fuck's sake, Sass. That's right. That's what, what the hell is wrong like. with you? All right, so uh, we are back, and as uh, per tradition with Agile After Dark, we kind of wanted to go around the room to the guests and talk about what it is that we're drinking tonight. Um, I think uh, I can actually speak for Steve and Shyla. Uh, we, we got a, a nice 2016 Merlot. Um, I thought it was a 14. Oh, is it a 14? Yeah. Is it a 14? I think so. Oh, wow. I, got, I, went, I, went, you went, I went all out. You went you know, with the big yeah. guns. I went for the big guns. The truth is, I picked the Merlot that actually had a screw top on it because I wasn't sure that my uh, wine opener actually worked. So both uh, Shyla and Steve are partaking in that. And uh, doing a little shout out to, to Greg since he's not here. Uh, God's uh, drink of choice, of course, is Maker's Neat. I'm doing it on the rocks because, well, he probably would have some comments on why I'm doing that. But... I'll leave it at that. So I uh, wanted to, to continue on uh, in terms of our conversation um, and really speak to the two of you kind of, you know, when you guys can kind of react to, to what we're talking about. But given the vast experience that the two of you have with, you know, uh, delivering system solutions, I think uh, our audience would like to know how, we're, how we achieve success in delivering work products in an agile way, specifically, what do you two see as the biggest struggles for organizations in their agile journey? Big, the biggest struggle is going to be leadership. Leadership. Okay. Over leadership, and over again. Leadership, leadership kind of leadership. consistent. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what we see in terms of the, like the version one surveys and so forth. But right. can you speak specifically to some of the examples that you guys have run into without giving names uh, um, in terms of those, those situations where it really has been a hindrance? So... Number one, leadership mindset. Um, the ability to inspire your people as a leader. And this has nothing to do with being an agile leader. You know, this has nothing to do with a particular methodology. It's just leadership 101. It's the ability to have clarity in a vision. And it's the ability to inspire your people and motivate your people to go towards that vision, mm -hmm. to go achieve that vision. Um, these are some basic things that mm -hmm. we're beginning to realize um, that people actually lack, and they yeah. don't lack. They don't have training that can help them in in such a basic thing. Or uh, we, you know, partly we're guilty about that, right? We approach agile transformation from the bird's eye view of. We, you know, train them in agile stuff. Mm -hmm. This is a new term, by the way, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Agile. Um, we teach them how to do. Yeah. we. It's all about the doing. Mm -hmm. It's not about the being. Mm -hmm. um, Grown. <laughs> we, we, we inspire them in our own way. We motivate them to model, you know, behavior after some of the behaviors that we are modeling. But what happens when we leave that organization? Right. Does it sustain? Does that change sustain? So, so if you go back to really, and you know, I'm 100% guilty of this, as I go back to 
all my initial coaching days, um, you know, I have to sit down and question, was I really coaching or was I just mentoring? And did I leave the scene, you know, uh, having just mentored a few people? Did right. I really touch lives? Did right. I really improve? Mm -hmm. Did I give them that ability to, as we say in our world, fish, as opposed to catching the fish and, and feeding them the fish, right? right. Or sharing right. my fish, even worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, leadership, just basic leadership. What does it mean to be a good leader? Uh, and above and beyond that, once you're able to be a true servant leader, which is what this stuff takes, and a, you know, a true change in mindset really demands that you are a very good, you know, servant leader. Servant first, leader next. Right. You know, I, I find it interesting because I agree wholeheartedly with the overall concept of servant leader. And I think somewhere in the definition, it does talk about a servant leader being someone that's inspiring. I think I feel like we focus a lot on servant leadership in terms of backing off from the program and the teams and saying, kind of let them do their thing. But you, were, you brought up a really good point in terms of really articulating that vision and how we work with those leaders, because whether it be PI planning or if even that doesn't exist, basically saying to the teams and the programs and what have you saying, this is what we want to do. We're pumped up about it. Mm -hmm. We think that you can deliver as, as teams to get us there. You know, let's, let's go like kick some butt, right? Right, right? And take names. And, and as an agile community, we've been really effect, ineffective at communicating with the leadership level about the changes in mindset that they need to have at that level so that they read in a airline magazine about Agile or they read in Harvard Business Review or whatever, um, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's the latest uh, thing that I need to adopt is Agile. And they're, of course, perceiving that it's at a team level, mm -hmm. at their worker B level, that the change needs to happen. And they're like, okay, great. I will, and they're willing to pay the money. They're willing to bring us in. They're willing to send their people to training. But what they're not seeing, they don't have a vision for, is this is going to be a change in mindset, a change in perspective of us as leaders. You know, Steve and Charla, you, you bring up a lot of good points around this. And we don't do a lot of name dropping on Agile After Dark. But Martin Fowler, uh, who we, we all know is one of the, the minds behind the Agile Manifesto, recently did a keynote at Agile Australia on the state of Agile software in 2018. And, you know, in that he stated, we, we've come a long way from introducing Agile concepts from the hippy-dippy barefoot like Steve walking around in the grass concepts um, but at the same time, he said he used words like having to deal with faux agile, right? And one of the ones that I really loved as a history buff is he, he used a, a, a concept and, 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 a, and a phrase of, of the agile industrial complex. <laughs> I like mm. that. I like mm -hmm. that. Right? Taylorism and agile. Which, you know, basically gets us to, and Greg, bless his heart, he's on a plane trying to get to the heartland, had mentioned on a previous podcast that, you know, we had talked through a little bit, as it is Agile After Dark, but are we getting to the point where we are just replacing process with process? 
And I, and I open that to, to you two in terms of what you've seen at all levels in, in relation to this. It, we are seeing an awful lot of replacing process with process. And <clears throat> that does go back to the lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, leadership not understanding what the real transformation is about. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's also um, what we have enabled. Yeah, we have fed into that of, okay, um, let me provide you XYZ training. Let me do some team level coaching. Let me do, um, you know, put in place, put install this, uh, this framework, this, you know, whatever. It's all there. Yep. We've, we've led into that same process. And, and we arrive and they're like, yeah, we're doing agile. Right. That's kind of the full <clears throat> agile, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're running into a lot where we've gotten past the, It'll never work. We've been doing waterfall forever. I got or, my okay. backlog in a tool, therefore got, I'm agile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we were in some interesting conversations, and um, it's exactly right. Um, have we replaced process with more process and more process? And the mm-hmm. answer is yes. Um, we've moved away supposedly from the waterfall days uh, mm-hmm. and the waterfall processes, only to be replaced with agile looking, agile feeling, agile mm-hmm. that's where the word right. comes from. Right. Terminology, we use agile terminology. Yeah, mm. so therefore we're agile, right? Right. But I, I wanna acknowledge that, you know, it takes a true human spirit and it takes a true leader to be able to stand up and say, you know what, I'm willing to change. Mm-hmm. I am willing to demonstrate the new behaviors it's going to take, that this change is going to take. I am willing to, to model, and it's okay if I fail, right? At least I would have learned something that's, from that. That's a huge right? obstacle. It is, yeah. and that's what it's really going mm-hmm. to take for us to break away from process to process. Right. At the core of it, that is what true transformation is all about, mm-hmm. right? So I, it starts within. And it's, it's kind of scaling those just the key manifest, and that's one of the things that Feller talked about is we didn't get into the details on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, any team, any organization, but almost from a team to team level, like they need to figure out whatever the structure is for them to reach these things that we mm-hmm. put out there, yeah. but it shouldn't necessarily be prescriptive. Right. 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 So um, I agree with that it is about the leadership. <clears throat> so, but what we have failed as agile coaches and as, as agilists to, <clears throat> To clarify is that we have not addressed the system that those leaders exist in. Mm-hmm. They, um, and I was fortunate a number of years ago to do. I was I was early on in my agile career and was doing some training for a VP, and he pushed back on me and said, "You don't understand. I kind of like being a commanding. I like being able to tell people what to do and have them and see them do it." And I was able to get into understand his environment, how he had been promoted, the ecosystem that he existed in. And as Agilist, we preach a message to leadership, but we rarely get into their space and can really effectively coach them or even mentor them to how should they become true Agilist if not even servant leaders. Not- well, yeah, and that's that was going to be my question is, is that is that really the goal is servant leadership 
or agilists or at this level the goal is to become to focus on business agility yeah so as a business we need the well, so, you know, flexibility we'll co- adaptability right. but we're at, we're in agile after dark so business agility is a thing that gets thrown about it does. quite a bit right so i you know <laughs> to if greg were here he'd be like literally like fuming and like you know smoke coming out of his ears yeah. and he'd be drinking his you know but so so his, it's, whatever, it's about but. being able to sense and respond right fundamentally at the root level mm-hmm. that's what you're trying to build as a capability within an organization mm-hmm. and it's not easy right yeah. um we're talking about not a team you're not working with a team mm-hmm. that has you know um, a mission in front of it and for them to just you know adopt it and, and move with it and grow mm-hmm. with it we're really talking about individuals within an organization and you know what I fully acknowledge we haven't done a great job as coaches to really cater to the problem of okay there's this group of management here we are talking about leadership and there's a time and place for both right. to coexist mm-hmm. right. within an organization it doesn't do us any good, as Steve was saying, to focus on one or the other and not understanding the system within which they're playing. Right. If you're just locally optimizing for a manager versus mm-hmm. leadership or the other way around, mm-hmm. and you're really not understanding how they came to be, the way they mm-hmm. you know, kind of fit are together today, right. it's hard. You right. have to look at it from a systems point of view and understand what is going on and what does the system want at this moment and cater to that yeah and you know greg and i in past podcasts have talked about common sense advanced common sense and stupid (laughs) right and you know it the the scale and i said to him i was like well isn't stupid at the you know before common sense he's like no it's on both ends yeah Mm, yeah yeah right so whether it's identifying with leadership to say you know you kind of have a sense of certain leadership, you know, kind of keep with that, but you need to be able to articulate what the vision is for the team because mm-hmm. they need that. Mm-hmm. Yep. They need to be able to come into work every day and say, this is why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Perfect example of stupid on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. is, okay, I'm a great servant leader and therefore I will not make any decisions. Right. Not useful right. as a leader leading an organization of 100 plus people. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's on both ends you have to have a balanced way of doing things and you know what I've seen over my career um, especially in the space of IT and I've been in IT organizations (laughs) all my career we haven't done a great job of bringing up our leaders yeah right and I see the counterparts on the business side and I always see they're a notch above right they're always up to date be it their training be it their mentoring be it coaching be it one-on-one coaching be Mm -hmm. it team coaching right there's always a leg up in terms of leadership here we were rewarding whoever the best performer was whoever Mm -hmm. the expert was and those guys became the de facto leaders Mm -hmm. well that's not serving our teams because that's not the need of the day today i think that's the steve's point where we kind of have to do an evaluation of kind of the leadership role within uh, organizations that are now doing agile, right? Versus being agile. And so that's some of the thing that Fowler talked about with the agile industrial complex, which is, you know, okay, I'm a leader, you know, and so my roles change a little bit, but we've talked in previous podcasts and, and Charlie, you know, this from the organizational change management part is performance management, mm-hmm. you know, 
if I'm still being reviewed on a yearly basis based on how many widgets, and I've talked about this in several podcasts, mostly because my wife's IO psychology stuff, and it's always top of mind, but I do think that there's, from a leadership standpoint, being able to recognize that and say, part of the tenets of Agile is regular feedback. Right, and, and the when I mentioned before, the ecosystem that mm-hmm. leaders exist in, HR is a part of it, but it's actually a relatively small part. I mean, right. they, they are driven by what's their compensation model, absolutely, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's, you know, because they've succeeded to get to that level by paying attention to what's going to be rewarded in this organization. And they're trying not but, to get sued. Right. That's the big thing. It's like, but it's you know, also, how many, you know, things we need to keep track of. Some of the other dimensions that come into their ecosystem is what do my peers do? What do my peers mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. What does my boss think about things? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they How are, did I get here? Right, exactly. What what were the elements that got me to this position? They are more keenly aware of all of those factors than, say, your average developer, your average tester, because they successfully got to that level in the organization by paying attention to those things. Right. So I'm hearing leadership is kind of the one of the <clears throat> main sort of things that we're still challenged with, you know, to to follow. But you can succeed also, yeah. right? Right. Uh, when I look back kind at of, some of the, the shining stuff. star, yeah, shining star stuff, yeah. success examples, mm-hmm. they were successful because of good leadership. Mm-hmm. Because you know the leader was willing to say, "I want to model. I want to take you out to the recruitment center. I want you to see the pain my people face, mm-hmm. and I will be there with you. I will stopwatch. What can I do, right, to help right. ease the pain of my people?" Right. So it, it definitely takes you know that kind of courage and that kind of vision to be a successful leader. So when you see successful Agile transformations, I challenge you to go all the way up to look at mm-hmm. what is the leadership line and what are some key behavior traits. And I, I'm willing to bet my last dollar, you know, yeah. you, will, you will find common patterns. Yeah. So along those lines, I'll switch gears here a little bit and say kind of as a follow-up question to that, what are you two most excited about in the Agile space? <laughs> you know my answer. My the thing that's most <laughs> exciting to me is is the shift the last few years into DevOps, mm-hmm. into marrying the ops perspective, you know, to get the fast feedback into an organization. So the organizations that have truly embraced that, that has been a huge game changer. But not just giving it a name and saying, "Oh yeah, we're doing that." Right, no, no, no. Not DevOps yeah. label, but those that really are uh, marrying up, not setting up a separate ops, uh, DevOps team, but those who are marrying up, you know, p- pairing up their ops people with their dev people and saying, we're going to put product, we're going to put uh, our uh, product into production on a frequent basis and we're going to uh, automate the putting it in the production and we're going to automate the, the evaluation of how well it's doing. That has been, I mean, it's it's just, uh, for me, that's been a huge right. game changer. And the, the tooling on the ops side, the, the dev, dev side is not aware of, and the, we talked about in the, in the DevOps, so I really highly recommend people go listen to that because right. I've heard from multiple people of the, now we're up to 10 listeners, by the way, of the 10 <laughs> listeners that we've had, they have actually said, you know, that's one of the best, like, explanations of it. And part of it is that I, I actually talked about in a workshop I did a couple weeks ago was... When you bring those two together, and now the dev has like the push button where they can go all the way to a production-like environment or production. (laughs) When they go to push the button, they're like, yeah. Yeah. Do I really want to push the that de- button? The devs start to hesitate. It's like, oh, they've yeah. been pushing ops. Why do you take so long? Why yeah. do you take so long? And it's like, 
Oh my god. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now I'm ready to hit the yeah, button. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so not to to one up Steve, no. but <laughs> what what excites me the most is really the biz devops. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's concept to production. To mm. the point we get feedback either positive or negative. And while doing that, still having happy people at the end of the day. Right. That we don't have burnt out people, that we don't have people at each other's throats, yeah. right? That doesn't take people, you know, three days to recover if mm-hmm. I put something in production, um, or it doesn't take, you know, people dreaming about great ideas that customers can really use, but not being sure: should I invest? Should I go all in? Because it's going to take forever for that feedback to come, right? Right. So it's having that happiness, that motivation, that joy that brings people to work every single day of the week, right? To, to come in and put their best foot forward. And as your wife would tell you, you know, happy people, positive people bring more creativity. Yeah. And just watching that really brings a lot of happiness to me. She also say happy wife, happy life. Yes. She'd probably say that as well, right? <laughs> we got uh, cheers from the studio here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Along these lines, in a previous podcast, we talked with uh, uh, Regender about kind of group development and so forth, and then he's all these different levels, and um, Wilhelm, or what, I can't remember, and Susan Wilhelm, I think, we like did the study on that in terms of the different levels of you know group development. And you get kind of that last level, and you see what we had talked about is, when we talked to a lot of people, it's like, you ever seen a uh, team that really gets it, is really mm-hmm. just working, and they have the high capacity, mm-hmm. they can take on anything? <clears throat> Like kind of along those lines of, we love what we do. Bring yeah. it. Where's the challenge? I don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that seems a good uh, place to wrap up part one of Inside Apollo Thirteen Studio, the Agile Roundtable. Uh, I highly recommend you check out part two, where we get to ask some of the hard questions of our esteemed guests, and not just from me, as your host but also from the Agile After Dark studio uh, studio audience where they'll be able to, to jump in and ask some questions as well. I highly recommend you check it out. And as always, please feel free to send any feedback to feedback at agileafterdark.com and check out other podcasts that we've done at agileafterdark.com. You know what it is? Mm. It's a Merlot with a twist top because my wine opener <laughs> broke. Like so that's what it is. <laughs> I've got a wine opener down here. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, you didn't yeah. think of that. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is because like, Steve likes to be like, well, don't take any wine that's not over two years old. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and then at the one, the transformation one that Shiloh is here for, we are like, what are you drinking? Boxed wine? He's like, well, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They make very good boxed wine. Yes, they do. Was it over two years old? You know, they don't. The boxes. Yeah. They don't the boxes. The boxes. Yeah. Yeah. The, box the cardboard in the boxes. See, the truth the in Agile After Dark comes no, out. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cheers.